I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, everybody, welcome to another special edition of The Pod Has Spoken. I am your host, Tyson Apostle. Also, for those that do not know, I was a four-time Survivor contestant. I am here with my forever co-host, Locked for Eternity. We've gone through all the special vows and everything we need to do. Riley McAtee. Riley, has your heart rate come down from the weekend of the NFL yet? I know I made a similar joke last time, but you still seemed a little flush. Yeah, probably still a little elevated. Uh but, you know, that's a good sign because it means the NFL was awesome. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I have a special treat for you, Riley, for both of us. One of my dear friends, uh, also a four-time contestant on Survivor, one-time winner. Wow, a very similar resume to what I've got. I never actually realized that. Uh, Parvati Shallow. Parv, how are you doing? Hey, Tyson. Hi, Riley. I am just delighted. I'm so happy to be here with one Survivor superstar. I'll call you a megastar, Tyson, because we are in the same arena. And then, of course, Riley, an avid sports fan, knowing that Survivor is one of the top sports in the world. So this just feels right to be here. Yeah, this is really incredible that between the three of us, we have eight appearances on Survivor and <laughs> two true. wins. <laughs> if you divide that, yeah, well, if you divide that. A lot that. of Survivor talent. Between all three of us. Yes. Yeah, and, uh, I feel that. We don't want to forget our uh, our tech guy, Mike Wargon, as well. So between the four of us, we have eight wins, two victories. On average, that is two times played per person here. Um, and we are covering Micronesia, all things Micronesia, because the season is on Netflix. Parv, have you noticed an uptick in fans reaching out and stuff since Micronesia has been on Netflix? You know, what's really funny is not so much on Insta, not so much on social media, but in real life, more people are coming up to me and more younger people are coming up to me, like people in their late teens, early twenties saying that the Black Widow Brigade changed their lives and that they love strong women and that I was, I'm like their mentor role model. And then what do you do at that point? What's your reaction? I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so great. Let's take a pic. And then I just give them a little hug, a little tap on the back, and we can take a photo. And I just feel like it's a it's a kind of a cool thing. Yeah, a non-intimate pat on the back hug. I like that. That's like a little of, tap, tap, yeah, tap. Like so this, yes, this huh. means nothing. It's a professional hug. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Well, you know, with COVID and stuff, you gotta have like a it's gotta be like a distant hug. And yeah. I right? actually gotta protect people. I actually keep my distance from anybody until they like, or they, if they're like, Hey, are we cool? If we put your, and I'm like, I'm cool if you're cool, but I want you to be comfortable. Yeah. Uh, it is like a weird time to, you know, get photos with fans. Will you take a pic? I mean, I'll offer a photo. Cause I feel like that's kind of the thing that they want anyways. And they're might yes. not ask for it. Yes. I ask them like, if I can tell that they're hovering and want a photo, but won't ask, I'll say, Hey, would you guys do me the honor of 
getting a picture with me with your phone? And they're like, yes, we would love that. So I'll do that. Or if they ask for an autograph, I automatically say no, because it looks like chicken scratch. So I'm like, no, let's get a photo. Yeah. Like, okay. They like that better anyways. Like they're going to, they're like rummaging through their bag, trying to find a receipt for me to sign the back of. And then like in 10 years, they're going to look at that receipt and throw it in the garbage, not understanding what, how probably how much how valuable there is how valuable yeah, so that valuable. receipt is yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the word did you ever ask for an autograph i feel autographs are like from the 90s and mm-hmm. like everything from the 90s is making a resurgence like fashion from the 90s Ooh, you think autographs are on their way back i think so i remember when i was in it was i was like in middle school and i loved mariah carey and i sent a letter to her fan club uh-huh. asking for her autograph and i never got one nothing you got nothing oh. Okay, similar experience. Sent a Sports Illustrated for Kids Michael Jordan basketball card to the Chicago Bulls organization in the mail. Asked for Michael Jordan's signature. They did not send me my card back, but they did send me a price sheet if I wanted to get that card signed. And it was going to cost me between $50 and $100, I remember. They had a price sheet for every single player's autograph on the thing. I'm like seven. I don't have any money. So I just like said goodbye to my card and that was it. I was excited to get a letter from the Chicago Bulls, but when I opened it, it was less exciting. Definitely. Oh my God. I thought there was going to be a better end to that story. That's such a sad story. Yeah. And the paper was like one of those sushi menus where you could check the box and of the players (laughs) whose signatures you wanted and then include a, a check and then mail it to, I mean, obviously in hindsight, I should have, if I had a time machine, maybe go back and give myself $50 to give to Michael Jordan to sign my Sports Illustrated for Kids card. Yeah, yeah you should You should have taken out a loan. You probably would have come out on top on that. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't think was... I would have qualified. My credit was so bad at that point. You, you couldn't just walk into a bank at age seven and be like, I no. need $50. Yeah, I probably still can't do that. Uh, so, what are you, yeah. Yeah, so what are you doing to build up uh, Bergen's credit to make sure she can get something so valuable? Oh, Parv. You probably know better than most people the plight of someone who wins a million dollars on TV going into a bank and they're like, well, what income do you have now? And I was like, I'm just living off this milli. And they're like, that's not going to do it if you want to buy something. I was like, come on, you know, I'm good for it. I'll probably be on other stuff. And they're like, no. And I was like, well, look at all uh, my investments and everything's going so good right now. And they're like, that's fine. And I was like, ah. You have to like, you still have to be a cog in the corporate machine to get any kind of credit. If you find somebody that's at the bank that is a super fan, that will help. That will definitely help. Someone being a Survivor fan has opened a lot of doors for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and gotten you probably a lot of free meals at restaurants and everything. Yeah. Hotel rooms. You name it. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, We love you, Survivor fans. So much. Um, so we are here today to cover all things Micronesia. We've known each other for so long, Parv. We've known each other for over 10 years now, right? Yeah. It's it, been over yeah, a decade. It is crazy. I know. We're like old survivors. Yeah, we are. But at the time when we were first on the show, we were new school. And there was- Yeah, we were little sweet babies. Yeah, the old, the old school looked down their noses at us, Riley. Isn't that crazy to think that like, uh, I specifically had- people that had played earlier than me refer to me in a negative connotation as a new school survivor. 
I and got now you do that to right? other contestants. And now I do right? that to other contestants. Yeah, it's the circle of life, man. What's the dividing line? 20? No, I think it's later than that now, just because like... Oh, now it's 41. Well, but I'm I'm even thinking it's not even really like split straight down the middle there. It's just like the new mentality a little bit. So maybe like 23, 24, 25, somewhere in there, maybe 27. When they started bringing in like new twists and stuff. Yeah, new twists and the players stopped caring about like sticking to an alliance till the end and things like that. Like that was where, kind of like Fishback kind of brought that in, didn't he? Yeah, the trust His, clusters. Yeah, trust yeah. clusters. Were you on that season? No, oh. <laughs> no, I was not. Uh, but uh, yeah, so now we're old school and we are watching one of the last, the last really in in one, definitely in one uh, term, the last old school season. It was the last season to film in, standard definition and that makes it look like a really long time ago on tv when i watched it i just rewatched the whole thing over the last couple of weeks and uh i wanted to get into it with you a little bit just the whole season in general is what we're going to talk about and you had just come off of cook islands is that your original season yeah cook islands what season was that 13 so you had like what a year and a half between No, not even. I think it was a year? a year maybe. Okay, so you had a year. Did you have any inkling after Cook Islands that like you had a shot at going back like maybe they'd invite you back were you people whispering in your ear what was your feeling there? Okay, no chance, but I have a really awesome story about that okay. because I when I came back from season 13 from filming the show had not aired yet. The cast had not been announced. So nobody even knew really that I was on the show unless it was like close friends or family. And my friend calls me and she's like, do you want to go to a psychic? And I was like, a hundred percent. Yes. I want to go to a psychic. So we go to the psychic in the Valley to her house. She's like 50 bucks. So my friend and I are like super cheap at the time. I'm like, should we just share a session? So we split a session. It was like $25 or something. And the psychic like spreads out these tarot cards for me. And she goes, you just came back from some big adventure. You were on the beach. I just see like a lot of fires being put out. I see a lot of young people on the beach. You, were, you did something really, really hard and really challenging. And then she pulls another card and she's like, and you're going to do it again. And you're going to be victorious. And I was like, whatever lady. You're crazy. Like there's, of course I'm not going to do it again. I literally just got back like two weeks prior. Right. And then. Was that, that person wasn't Lynn Spillman? No, it wasn't, but you're you're getting ahead of me. So then like six months later, I'm driving to yoga. I park my car in the parking lot. I get a call from Lynn Spillman. Has the season been going at this point? The season has aired. It's done. It's over. Like it's finished. Ozzy's a superstar, America's sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And I was like the flirt, but I guess I made enough of a splash because Lynn Spillman called me. And I remember picking up the phone on my way to yoga. And I was like, hi. And she's like, do you want to play again? And I was just like, oh my God, the prophecy is happening. <laughs> you were like, I have to. <laughs> I have to. I'm going to yeah. win. Yeah. So I don't know what it was, if it was like, that the psychic got in my head that was like, this season is mine. But I knew without a shadow of a doubt when I went back to play Micronesia that I was going to win that game. 
I wish you would have been more arrogant than if you knew like for that certain that you were going to win was just like, congratulations on runners up everybody. <laughs> that was, that was me at the height of my arrogance. Like I couldn't, <laughs> you couldn't go more than that. Okay. Doesn't work for me. <laughs> Fine. I'll allow it. Um, so, and so immediately when then calls you, you're like, I have to go back. Like yeah. there's no like questioning, no thinking about it, anything. Um, no, I didn't so have a job. Either. Along those lines, let's jump ahead to Heroes Villains. Was that the same reaction you had? Like, no, I'm Heroes going. Villains was really different for me because I had I had a tough time reintegrating after season 16 into like real life. How so? It, there was just so much baggage that came along with winning that season for me. Like okay. I felt guilty for some of the things I had done. Like just so much stuff. And I was well, like, we're going to bring all of it up here. So I hope. Yeah, let's just have a psychotherapy session. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of work on myself. Okay. Good to hear. And that's the work that I do now in the world. So it's actually been quite helpful. But no, it wasn't something that I was like 100% I want to do. But my life was such a like shit show. Can we curse on this? Yes, platform? you can do whatever you want. Okay. My life was a total shit show. Okay. So I was like, maybe Survivor will be a good opportunity for me to just get away from my life. Yeah, right a good now. hard reset. Yeah. Yeah. So I that like was that. why I went and played season 20. Okay. Yeah. I had just gotten off of 18. They had aired the season, the finale had played, and literally like a week or two later, I get a call from Lynn. And, but bef- between that time, the person who prophesied my return to the game was none other than our very own Ethan Zahn, who emailed me and just said, I'm enjoying watching you this season and look forward to watching you play again in the future. You'll definitely be back. But Ethan, also, he gets like Google alerts for everybody's names too. So yeah, so he, he has the insights everybody. Yeah. Oh, okay. So anyways, okay. So you're you're ready to go back. You're ready to take this win. The prophecy has been foretold. All you have to do is fulfill it. And totally. uh, you're going through casting. I'm assuming you're seeing everybody in casting, all these favorites, right? Is there, Gosh, or are you not? A- are you talking with people? Because we talk about pregame stuff nowadays. It's pretty commonplace. Did you know it? Because you were friends to a certain degree, probably with Ozzy and with James and those people, right? Like, what were your pre-existing relationships going into the season? I knew Amanda from Hollywood nightclubbing. Okay, cool. And I knew Ozzy from season 13. Right. And uh, Did you ever connect the dots with them? Like, we're all going on this thing? I think we did. I think we had a moment where it was like, yeah, I think like we're all going to head back. But China was still airing. Okay. So Amanda, I don't think she knew that she hadn't won China going back. I have it on very good authority that she, after Micronesia, because China hadn't finished then, as soon as, soon as the tribal council, the final tribal council from Micronesia ended, she was of the belief for a duration of time that she had won a million dollars twice in one year. Oh, yeah. On very good authority. Okay. That she believed fully 100% that she had won both seasons. Well, I don't know how long that was. That. Yeah, they do that because you won. Like they want to, you know, mess with you a little bit longer, right? Yeah. Like Get Eliza. Plus, I was a, such a jerk to some of those people who voted for me in the game. 
Yeah, but that's just and good then- gameplay then if they're still going <laughs> to vote for you, right? Oops, sorry. Thanks for voting for me. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Okay, so so you don't remember going through casting with other people, seeing other people? I don't have everybody think in the we same went room. through casting. It was all, private, all privately done then. Yeah, we didn't go through casting because we didn't know it was going to be a theme season where they were going to have 10 players that hadn't played before. Okay. So at what point point did that register with you just when you hit the beach and there were newbies? Yeah, when Jeff's like, party, come on in. And I'm like, well, who are these people? Yeah. And you probably, uh, did you immediately know you were playing with them or were you like, they're part of the crew? No, I knew I was playing with them because they were all lined up on a mat. Okay, fine. You're more observant than me. I would be like, hey, <laughs> new guys to the crew, Survivor crew, I'm one of your heroes, Tyson. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be working with all of you. Yeah. Thanks okay. for cheering for me. Thank you for they, cheering for me. <laughs> they did cheer for us. They did. They walked. loved it. They yeah. loved it. They really found fans or maybe they hyped them beforehand or they have one of those applause meters like behind Jeff that's like big applause. Uh, yeah, they did. I like that. I like that. Uh, and even like fair play came in, everybody's like, Ooh, <laughs> nobody want, nobody want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're there with the favorites. You travel in with the favorites. Are there people you're excited to play with? And are there people you really, really wish were not there? I was very excited that James was there. Obviously so such muscly. a heartthrob. Yeah. Ah, so muscly. Yeah. And Amanda, I loved her. We like, we'd gone out before. Like, okay. We were yeah, friends. Your friends. Yeah. And um, Sari, I didn't know, but she's just so lovable. Like she just comes across as just a cutie, lovable person. And Ozzy, I, I thought I could easily play with. So that was like an easy group to kind of put together. Okay. And then from there, it was like, oh, Penner did not want to play with Penner. Like he well, and I did not get along in season 13. Okay. At That's- all. No secret. Okay. <laughs> and you've never like mended or healed that relationship after. Nope. Okay. Nope. I mean, it okay. hadn't been that long. It'd been like just about a year. And yeah. I think I was just in a place of like, oh, I'll never see this guy again. So yeah. why would I do that? Mend yeah, put in all that work. Yeah. And I'm just going to leave the fence behind. Yeah. So, and I felt like we, we had enough contention between us, like contentious energy that whoever he was aligning with, I couldn't align with those people. Right. Which is what ended up being true. Yeah. So I don't know if I made that happen because I was just like, not even going to talk to him, but he also did not like me. And we were, we were just like at odds. So he had like his penner camp, which was Yao man, Eliza, Fair play. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Eliza, fair play and Amy. And Amy. Yeah. Because Amy and Eliza were really close. Yes. But I didn't know Amy at all. And then Amy and Ozzy, I think, became pretty close. So that was like kind of a blurry line where I was like, oh, maybe I can, maybe I can work with Amy. Also, we're like kind of hippies and like, like gypsy stuff. So yeah, maybe we'll get along. Good work. Yeah. Could find a commonality. Yeah, but Eliza didn't like me. We didn't like each other right off the bat. She was just like so entrenched with Penner. And so she thinks very differently than I do. Like now, since then, Eliza and I have become friends, but it wasn't like that when we were playing the game together. Right. And you remember that challenge where we were like tethered together and she elbowed me in the face and I had a black, uh, like a fat lip. And Did she do that on purpose? 
I don't think she did it on purpose, but it was just like a demonstration of how we felt about each other. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So you see those people that you don't want to work with. Are you like immediately they have to go? Or are you like, let's just play it cool and see where things take us? What is your frame of mind the you know, early in the season? I am like whenever I play well, not like I did on season 40, but when I play Survivor well, I come in with like a very, a very relaxed space in Mm -hmm. my body. And so I just sit back and I observe. And the most important thing for me is to watch how other people relating to each other and how are they interacting with me? Are people avoiding me? Are people coming towards me? And I, I sort of kind of, it's like a really Zen monkish approach to like, Let's watch how the energy is flowing. Let's go towards the places of least resistance. And if I have a conversation with someone and I feel distance or I feel weirdness, I'm going to shift and move over to another person. So I don't come in with a clear plan of like, I'm going to have to eliminate these people. But when I sense that people are coming after me right away, then I kick into gear because you know you can't be like a wallflower if your name is on the chopping block, which mine was on day one. Yeah. So I had to kick into gear really fast to, to stay in the game. The first, uh, tribal council. Right. And you immediately partner with James, Mm -hmm. win him over. Uh, Amanda's already with you and Amanda is with Ozzy and you also uh, thought you could work with Ozzy. So you have a tight foursome there, really Mm -hmm. tight. And that first tribal council, Fairplay asked to go. What was the plan if Fairplay hadn't asked to go? Was it still going to be Fairplay? Was it going to be Yao Man? What was what was happening there? Who would have gone first from that? Trip? I think it probably. I think it would have been Fairplay because fair at play. that point, like we'd already. It wasn't like oh, all of a sudden Fairplay is like throwing this bomb out at Tribal Council saying he's going to go. Like people knew okay. that Fairplay was already like a loose cannon. Even the people he was working with were like, I don't know if we can trust this guy. Yeah. He was with Penner and they all wanted to vote me out. And like Penner really wanted to vote me out, you yeah. know? To the so he was like, he had blinders that, on. Yeah. That, and that's a, you can't play like that and nope. do well. Nope. You can't be like, I have to get this person can't out. Make it because personal. You can't make it personal or emotional. It has to be strategic. It has to be strategic. So then it was the best thing for me because Penner was just like, um, oh, I have a baby at home, whatever. I think he'd gone through like, so previously, before he came out to play Micronesia, I don't know if you know this, but he was on there. You know the story. I know. Uh, the fair play story where he got body slammed by like yeah. Jimmy Bonaducci and shattered his jaw and he had his jaw wired shut. And that's why he had like braces or teeth stuff on yeah, Micronesia. And he, was, and he was feeling pretty bad. Feeling really bad. And he couldn't take his painkillers out there because they don't let you take that kind of stuff. So I think he was having withdrawals, to be honest. And he was just like, I can't handle this. and he exited himself. So before that, I think it was already like up in the air. Everyone, they wanted to vote me out. I wasn't going to let that happen. I had already pulled in Suri and Penner thought he was working with Suri and Suri wasn't going to vote me out. And Suri was like, we're going to vote out fair play. So I think honestly, like she was probably my most helpful soldier at that point. Early on. So Suri was with you from the get-go, but Penner did not know because Suri kind of played that like she was like the swing vote there for a little bit between the two foursomes after fair play went. Right. Like, deciding which way to go. And then you see Penner like blow up at her like, you're making the wrong move for yourself. The right move for yourself is to come with me. 
and uh, that just turned her off even more. But uh, you had no concern with Sari being with that side. You had already felt comfortable then, like she was with you at that point. We had already had the boat ride. Like the boat ride was so important. We just took her. We took her away from camp and it was me and Amanda. And I was like, listen, you watched Cook Islands. You saw how I played. I'm going to make it look like I'm really close with James, but really you and Amanda are my number one. Okay. So even from that early on in the game, you had no plans to go all the way with Ozzy and James. No chance. Already done. They were already dead in the water. Okay. That was interesting because that was coming up later when you had built, when you had started talking to Alexis, that's when I was going to approach this. But at this point, you've already decided like you're with Suri and you're with Amanda and you're going to build around that, but it's not including James and Ozzy. Right. And James and Ozzy were sort of the, the shields, like Mm -hmm. who calls them meat shields? They were like man shields. Like they were, they had huge egos. They thought they were in control. That's fine with me. I don't need to be perceived as being in control. You actually don't want that on Survivor. So these guys think they're running the show. They think they have Amanda and I in their pocket and that Sari is sort of just like our outlier. And that was perfect for me But because I knew that if Ozzy got to the end, this is a game with 10 huge fans of Survivor. People are obsessed with Ozzy. I was like, he would win, hands down. And James even had a chance too, because he would, he the way he played was so um, giving. He just like worked and he gave and he's just like a sweet guy. So if he got to the end, he's so likable and he just gave so much and he wasn't strategic. I thought maybe he could win people over just with their hearts. So I was like, uh-uh, these guys are going to have to go at some point. I'm going to know when that time comes. But right now, it's cool to keep them with me because they think they have total control. And I'm just going to let them keep thinking that. So we saw that you got very cozy with James. Because, yes. But we're learning now that you already had plans to not take him to the end. Was there any part of you that was torn about, like, being the coziest with him, the coziest, uh, (laughs) and knowing that you're eventually going to get rid of him? Like, were you ever like, this could go bad if, like, I get too cozy and then cut him, he's going to be pissed? Or were you just like, I just have to keep everybody as close to me as possible? I was not thinking like James is going to be so hurt. And that was an oversight on my part because James and I had talked, like he was just like, I don't care about winning. I like being here. I like spending time with you. Like he just kept saying that over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I care about winning and Uh I'm going to cut you at some point, but I never told him that I would like literally sleep on top of his body at night because he was bigger than a bamboo raft. Right. And it was just like muddy and there were rats everywhere. And I was just like, this is so nice. Yeah. But going back to that, you said you were never going to tell him you did actually did. You did tell him that you were going to cut him yeah. after you cut Ozzy. Right. Well, <laughs> we're jumping ahead of ourselves, but like, yeah, I, that part to me is crazy, but it's like, if you know, James, then you know that like, he really is not like a game player. He's not conniving. He's not like, thinking like how to get one step ahead every single move he makes. He's just like out there, you know, and his strength and his 
his, uh, you know, him working hard just carries him a long way in the game. But when it then does come time to do something sneaky, he doesn't even have that in him. Because when I watched that, I was like, this is the point where now James goes to everybody that he can and says, hey, Parv is working with these. Even if he makes something up like a little bit, like he has the ammunition now, but it seems like he just at that point just accepted it and was like, cool, go get him. That uh, was hurtful, but uh, yeah, you know how I feel. Yes, exactly. And I knew James because I'd been with him for so long. And that's why I also didn't feel like it was bad to be so close to him. Cause we were, we were really good friends even after the game. He's like really good at keeping the game in the game. And not everyone's good at that. Sometimes it just blurs over and people can't forgive what happened in the game, especially in old school seasons of Survivor. But with James, I knew that my best option with him was to be honest, if there was any chance of him keeping it as like a separate thing, like, oh, the game's a game. This is her playing the game. Like, oh, okay, I see. And he was mad at me because James really values loyalty and honesty. Overrated. Both of those things overrated. In Survivor? (laughs) You can't. Well, there's, of course, a shadow side to both of them, right? Like, Uh you don't want to be too honest and you don't want to be too loyal. You certainly don't want to give your loyalty away to someone who is going to abuse it. So... With James, it was like, he, when he confronted me, I was just like, you know, it's in the split second, you have to make a decision. Like, right. yeah. What's going to be best for me right now, I have to choose. There's yeah. no time to like really think. Yeah. Plus I felt so connected to my women. Like there was no chance that Alexis and Natalie, Amanda and Sri were going to turn on me and like go yeah. with James. So you were certain of that, of that no fight, chance. no question. Cause yeah. we, we go to the merge and we see you build something with Alexis. And, uh, as a viewer, that's where we see the all girls thing start to build. And that's where we're like, oh, is, uh, Parv going to choose to go with Ozzy and James, or is she going to keep this all girls thing going? We get to the merge and you go to Amanda and you're like, Hey, I built this Alliance for us. And Amanda is bugged. Like, she's like, well, you can't just like include me on stuff without like asking me or, you know, running it by me first. Could you see that from her? Was there, or was did she, was that all in private that she was voicing her frustration with you building something without her presence? She, Amanda was annoyed because Amanda liked to be the one calling the shots strategically. And I think she was used to that in China with Todd and Courtney, but with me, we were separated we were on two separate beaches. So I was like, there was a time when there was a challenge and Amanda and Sari are mouthing to me, throw the challenge. And I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not throwing the challenge. Like <laughs> whoever wins, wins. Like you guys got to keep yourself safe over there. I'm going to keep myself safe over here. Yeah. Because that's the only chance I have getting back together and like having any kind of protection to get me to the end of the game. So I was not about to throw Ooh, that challenge. That, that was when they tricky. voted Amy out. Yeah, that's, yeah. uh, I, I believe that too. Like I, when there's a tribe swap, you have to do the best you can with that tribe in that moment and build around that tribe because you don't know what the future is going to hold for anybody that could be on the other side or anything like that. And then if it comes back together, you can reset and reform, but you can't put your game on hold, hoping to just be back with Suri and Amanda. 
Which, right. And I was hoping to be back with them. That was right. my hope. But if not, was, you had to do something. Yeah. And I knew like these two girls, Alexis and Natalie, I made up some lie about Eliza trying to vote them out so that they would be closer to me. And I was like, so nervous to make up that lie. Cause I was like, what yeah. if they go to Eliza and confront her, but they didn't. So it was they just didn't like a, back then. They never, nobody ever double fact checked lies back then. Now everybody fact checks lies, truths, everything. And then nobody knows which way is up. Yeah. Right. Which is hard. Cause you're like, maybe I should just believe this. Yeah. Or yeah. Or never talk to anybody about anything ever. But I also told them, I told Alexis and Natalie, I was like, listen, Amanda and Sari are my number one and two. Like I'll bring you guys in. We'll be five together. We'll go final five. And they were good with that. Oh man, that's the perfect scenario to find someone who's okay with just being top five. Yeah. Because I think at that time, like, I don't know, there's a lot of people that are just so grateful to be cast on Survivor. And when you're playing with new players, they're like, there's no chance I could win this game in their head. And Eric, uh, we talked to Eric uh, last week and he said that the favorites took all control And he's like, as a fan, you could see them just taking control and they were playing on a different level. They were more cutthroat and we could visibly see that. And so the best thing for him personally was to just step out of the way and let the favorites like do their thing. He was like, I wasn't going to play on their level. I couldn't, I wasn't as cutthroat. And and you know, you're more savvy the second time you go out, you are more cutthroat, you're more brutal and you understand the game better. And the emotions that come with actually playing the game versus probably the first time. So, uh, yeah, so I, so that makes sense to me if you as the returning player, especially if they were par fans, that also adds an extra layer to their their loyalty. Yeah. And I think in order for me to go back and play the way I played the second time, I had to give myself permission to like act like I was at war. And I read a bunch of books. I read like persuasion books. I read the 48 laws of power. I read all these stories about these like Machiavellian leaders who would just like take these people into their inner sanctum and then chop their heads off. And I was like, okay, well, that's what I'm gonna have to do to win this game. Okay. You're a preparer. I, whenever an opportunity like this arises for me, I'm like, I should prepare. And then I don't. And I'm like, but I'll wing it. I should prepare, but I will wing it. We'll see how it goes. Well, I winged it in season 13. And then Uh I learned from that, that I was like, oh no, I can't play with my typical morals and values that I normally have in the world that I live in. Like I value honesty. I value loyalty. I value, um, having close bonds with people and trust and things like that. Like survivor, you can't play like that and win. And I learned that the first time. So I was like, I have to do something different in order to do that. It was like, I had to access a different persona. Okay. So I was like, how do I even do that? So I read all those books. Yeah. It was really helpful too. I might already have that ingrained in me. I think you do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I was just, you know, I was a little bit of a troublemaker growing up and sneaky in school and stuff. Oh my God. I was like a tiny, I was like a mischief maker, but of like the most benign kind. Yeah. I was, if I wasn't sitting outside of the classroom in my desk, like either outside in the hall or in the teacher's like little office behind the, then I was right at the teacher's desk. Like my desk would be pushed up against the teacher's oh, desk. Oh, that's bad. That only time. happened to me in French class. I would yeah. have to sit in the hallway. Yeah. It's, I talk too much in English. Oh, it's so fun to talk <laughs> in school. 
so, okay. So you build this thing with Natalie and Alexis. You go back to the merge and you tell Amanda what you've built. She's kind of bugged because she's, she's, it seems like she's all in on the James and Ozzy thing at this point still. So that was something that you kept privately to yourself. Like I'm not going with James and Ozzy, but Amanda maybe felt like you were going to, or did she also understand that those two needed to go at some point? I think she understood that those two needed to go at some point, but she was with James and Ozzy for the whole time that I was on the other beach. So it was like a whole week or something that we were separated and she kept fostering those relationships. So for me to come in and be like, there's two people who are now in the fold who are closer to us than James and Ozzy probably felt like I was cutting her out of our power duo. So I had to re-engage her at the level of you're my bestie. We would go and like run behind a a bush where the producers couldn't find us. We would like sneak under a canopy and hide and talk where no one was filming us. Okay. Uh, Do you think that that hurt Amanda's game building an even tighter bond with Ozzy and James at that point only to then come back and cut them? I don't think so because they both voted for her. Okay. Okay. You know, she's still, she pretended like she didn't know I was, we were blindsiding Ozzy. Okay. She knew we were blindsiding him. Okay. But she went to him and she was like, Parvati did this. And this was like, we actually had agreed. And this was never on camera because we hit out when we made this agreement. But we'd agreed that I would be the bad guy, bad cop, and she would be good cop. So you got to have that. I, I had full permission to do whatever I needed to do to cut people, whatever. And then when we got to final tribal council, I was able to own my moves because we'd had that agreement where I was like, I'm the bad cop. I'm going to say I was the one who made these moves. I don't know if Amanda knew about it. And she to probably to this day would say that she didn't know. Really? That we were blindsiding Ozzy. Wow. And then they started dating afterwards after the game. So yeah, I don't know what she told him. I mean, I know that. But what's what's the idea behind going in behind a bush when production can't see you and the cameras aren't on you and then strategizing there as opposed to just doing it on the beach with the camera following you? Well, this is my my theory was at that point, like production has their favorites. They like they plant seeds. So if they knew that Amanda and I were taught, I don't know that this is true. This was just what I perceived. So if Amanda and I had talked about this, it would it was possible in my mind that someone would interview Ozzy and be like, can you really trust Parvati? Can you really believe her when she says she's going to take you to final whatever? So if they didn't know that I was even remotely planning that, there was no chance that that could even sneak in to Ozzy's subconscious. Right. And then, yeah. And also you could play knowing that there were, even if something happened that didn't go your way with Ozzy there, you knew that it wasn't somebody meddling as well. Yeah, Like that's the backside. I had that a similar mentality to that after my first time playing, I was like, okay, there's more players in this game. You're also playing with or against production as well. Uh, and Jeff Probst. And like, those are like also, you know, pieces in the, in the game. Mm-hmm. And, and they're making a TV show. Yeah. So they want to make the best show possible. They want the most conflict. They want the most drama. So if there's a way to like sneak something in and get someone to start a fight or something like that, 
maybe they would do it. I don't know what they would do. So I was just like, let's just keep this under wraps only between us. Nobody knows. Yeah. And I've been on other, I've been on other shows where they do actually tell you to start fires. They just come up and are like, start some fires. And I'm like, really? That doesn't seem in my nature. And they're like, just do it. And I'm like, okay, okay. I mean, <laughs> you're the one writing the checks. Right. They so, don't do that on Survivor though. They, they don't, don't do tell that on you Survivor. to like, go they're just like, hey, Riley, do you really think you can trust Tyson? Do you yeah. really? Like, really? Because he's talking to other people. Right, right. And you figure, like, they want to keep Ozzy around because, as you said, he's America's sweetheart. And so there could have been some, like, hey, you're bringing that idol with you tonight to tribal council, right? Right. right. <laughs> like That would have been a big problemo for me. Yeah, it really would have. But it played <laughs> out perfectly. Uh Leading into that, were you nervous of that? Were you nervous he was going to play his idol? Were you nervous of how not only he was going to react, but how James was going to react? Like, what were, uh, I mean, or were you just like, this is the game, this is the way it's going, and uh, we'll just keep moving forward? I don't know if you saw my face in that tribal council, but I was like stone cold. Yeah, you have to be. You have to be like, eh, please, everything go. Please. I was like, because yeah. my mom told me this in season 13. She's like, if you go back and play again, then you should definitely watch your facial expressions because everyone can read all of your emotions on your face. So I remembered that and I'm in the, that tribal council and I'm like, Parv, don't even, do not make a twitch with your face. And my face was like frozen the whole time. Yeah. I was so nervous that Ozzy was going to play his idol. But I also know that Ozzy's Achilles heel is his ego and his pride. And he thinks he has complete control and he doesn't even consider that somebody could be angling to topple him because he's yeah. like, I'm running the show here. Yeah. So I did know there was going to be a huge fallout after voting him out, but I was also like, well, now's my, now's the moment. Like it seemed kind of early for some people watching it. But for me, I was like, this is the only chance we have where he is going to be. So everyone is like throwing their guns at Jason. Yeah. Everyone thought he was like the easy target. And I was like, even Ozzy, especially Ozzy. Cause he's like, Oh, where's I'm so smart to vote out Jason right now. Cause he's so good at challenges. And look, he held his arm up for six hours, just like you did. And he could win all these challenges. Nobody wants Jason. So I was like, this is, this is the moment. And then okay. I just froze and was like, yeah, please, nobody please, 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 make please. a move. Yeah. <laughs> and then you also have to rely on everybody in your alliance that's voting for him to also play it that cool, which is even more stressful than you yourself playing it cool. It's just like, I hope everybody's smart enough to just play it cool right here. Yeah. And it, it, I was lucky because there weren't that many people who were in on it. Like Amanda knew about it, but she was pretending she didn't. So it was really just me and the girls, right. the rest of the girls. Right. Um, so and they were good. We see, yeah, they were good. They, I mean, multiple to multiple votes we see throughout this season that all five of you worked very synergistically to make sure that your will would be implemented. And, uh, yeah, and you all got what you wanted time and time again. And it was just that the fact that you all worked so well together. Uh, we see going back to the Aussie and his ego. We see Sari get bugged by his ego. Was that like pretty common throughout the season or was there this moment where all of a sudden there was a, a defining moment or something where everybody's like, okay, Ozzy's ego is too big now. Let's, uh, 
Let's uh, we don't love him as much as we used to. <laughs> Ozzy's ego was always that big okay. from day one. Okay. Yeah, because he just thought he was the star of the show. I mean, he uh-huh. was in Cook Islands, and then when he came back, he's like, the everyone's fanning the flames. All the all the fans. Yeah were big Aussie fans. Like Jason, Eric would like chase him around. He loved him so much. And Sari, like, she didn't like Penner's ego. Penner and Aussie have similar egos. She didn't like that. And uh, I think everybody knew, like Sari's very good at, she doesn't make things personal either. I think for the most part, she's a gamer and she's yeah. good at Survivor. Right. And for her, it was like, well, we're not gonna, all these fans adore Aussie. If the jury's full of fans, we don't have a chance to win. So we got to vote him out if we want to win. And I think Sari really wanted to win that game. Right. Oh, yeah. So she and I were like really in lockstep around like, we want to win. Yeah. And we're going to do whatever it takes to get there. And we're going to vote out anyone who we think could jeopardize our chances at winning. Okay. Yeah. Didn't hurt that Ozzy was annoying her. No, that definitely helped. And that she could <laughs> yeah. point it out to everybody. <laughs> um so we already went over this a little bit you go back to james after the aussie vote and you're like he's like so that's the way it is you're like yep i'm with the girls and he's like well okay and then i like that was like yeah and i'm like james go to eric real quick tell him what you just had a conversation about and then go to jason real quick and then scramble as hard as you can to get one of the other girls on your side like that uh uh natalie was of the opinion that at that point, there was nothing the men could do, no matter what the five were sticking together. Yeah. That's that accurate. As well. Yeah. No matter I what, think there was, was nothing. They were, we were just in a different league. Like the boys, they, they just didn't have the ability to navigate the gamescape with right, the right. five women that were there. Right. Oh, I mean, it was Jason, Eric, and James. Yeah. And they didn't, they had no bond. Yeah. The three of them had no bond with each other. And then they probably also hadn't done their work with Alexis and Natalie to even go to the bottom of the five and make a sales pitch. Right. And why at that point, because Alexis and Natalie, I think at that point thought they were closer to me than Amanda and Sari. So I was just in this really good spot of being, um, really close, really bonded with Suri and Amanda and with Natalie and Alexis. And like you said, everyone was a really good game player at that point. And we could like read each other's minds. That was one of the coolest parts of the season for me. I've never had that. Yeah. I like never. The only other thing that was like close ish to that was with working with Russell, but it was no fun because it was Russell. (laughs) Like working with the girls was super fun because they were so smart and they would have these different kinds of skills and talents than I had. And they would be able to, I would just say, here, let's do this. And they would go and do their part. And I trusted them completely to be good at it. Yeah. That's, I think, I think to win a season, you almost need to have that with at least one or two people. I think the season I won with Jervis, definitely that same thing where like, we knew each other had at each other's back. So even if one of us was absent, the other one was going to make sure that we were still in the best position. And even to a lesser extent, Monica as well, even though she was a little bit of a wild card, we just knew that she was going to be talking so much that mm. any input she had would be received as neither good nor bad. 
Yeah. But do you think that's the same for these seasons now? Because you see people cutting their most loyal ally and it backfires on them. I don't know. I don't know how these kids play this game anymore. It's crazy kids. Crazy kids. Darn <laughs> kids. Uh, no, I think you still have to. I mean, season 40, Tony and Sarah, I mean, they probably slept yeah, on each other's bedroom Yeah, but that was a season floors. of returning players. Yeah. You know, but and then new we get play, this- New players, yeah. It is It is weird with the new players. Like but Ricard no, and Chan? Yeah, but they were kind of already butting heads. They weren't like fully in sync. They would butt heads quite often, even though they were moving forward with each other. But that and- was like me and Russell. Russell and I butted yeah. heads all the time. And I was like, I'm not going to cut this guy because he's like giving me a lot of things that I need. Yeah. I don't know. But I, I do think that like, yeah, this last season, I I mean, Xander got to the end, like in a way like that Michelle would have gotten to the end in 40, where you mm-hmm. know you haven't created enough super tight bonds to like win the votes. And, right. and so- that could have just been the way we saw the season play out. But I do think that you still, the surest way to win the game is still to find a ride or die if you can. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I just don't understand why the smartest, savviest players are cutting their ride or die before well, even. Parv, can you trust your ride or die? Do you really trust them? Well, I've seen them over there talking to other people. I don't I know guess if you like, not. look at them. Look at them. Look at them right now. Look at them right now. They're talking to somebody you don't like. What do you think's going on? What's that conversation about, Parv? What do you think? Nope. That's why you get under a bush. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, Eric's big move. Hmm. I think it was capitalizing on everything that had already happened in Eric's relationships that was so masterful with him giving up the necklace. The fact that you, all five of you sat around in like a little circle and were like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. There were four of you at that time. Five? Did you already cut Alexis? Yeah, Alexis had voted out. Just because she was hurt? Or, oh no, Eric was protected. Yeah. Yep. Eric um, had one immunity or something. Yeah. So, yeah. so Alexis goes, so it's four of you and you're sitting around like, how can we get rid of Eric after he has one immunity again? And he is like of that perfect survivor challenge build where he will win the majority of challenges. Yeah. He's tall, he's lanky, he's muscular, not a lot of, you know, and so he's good at balance. He's good at endurance. He's fast and all those things. So. So you all four sit together, uh, Sari, you, Amanda, and Natalie. And I love the way that like the idea kind of formulated on the screen where we were seeing like, what if you got Eric to give you the necklace? And well, why would that be? And it's like, well, because you guys had an argument about this. And then Sari's like, and I can't trust him. So you, he can't get my vote unless we go this way. Like, at, he gets so much flack for being an idiot and he's going to get that for the rest of his life, which is sad because when we first played this game, Parv, who would have thought that like these shows are going to be shown 
for infinity over the course of all humankind for me at 90 years old on my deathbed to have some idiot on whatever the new Twitter is at that time be like, I hate you on token chains. And I was like, that was 87 years ago. You're like, I'm dying. How did you find me? Yes. I don't even have any hair anymore or anything. I don't look the same. But still wearing the Speedo. Yes. So, yeah. So, like, he, like, I feel for him. But I also, like, when I watch the way that the Black Widow Brigade played it and framed it to him, it really was not that outlandish for him to give up that necklace. Like, if he wanted a shot, especially, like, watching the season back and me realizing all the things that Eric done, had done in the game, if he went to the end with you, he wasn't winning. If he went to the end with Amanda, he wasn't winning. If he went to the end with Sari, he wasn't winning. And if he went to the end with Natalie, he probably wasn't winning. So like at that point, he has to do something if he's even thinking of like winning at all. Do you think he was thinking of winning? Not necessarily. That's why as I said it and it popped out of my mouth, I was like, Maybe. he was happy to be there. Yeah. He was happy to get that far. Uh, but I also think like the way you, you all sold it to him as like, this is your only shot at winning any redemption from the jury and that tribal council you built up like, oh, he's been going to everybody. And then he like stands up and like apologizes to everybody pretty much is like, do not say sorry. It's like, it's like in, in law too. It's like, don't ever apologize for something that you know, you're going to get sued for. Cause then like you've admitted fault. And so in this same realm, like he's admitting fault here when he should just be like, that's just me playing the game. I'm just trying to play the game. But instead he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Parv, that I, I'm sorry, Amanda. I'm sorry, Natalie. I'm sorry. You're right. You guys caught me. Uh, so at that point, I think like game over for Eric, it doesn't matter what he does at this point. Uh, but he does give over the necklace. What we're going into that and seeing how everything had played out throughout that day. Did you believe that he was going to give that necklace up? How important was it for you that he did give it up? Not for you, probably not so much, but I don't know. Like, were you feeling confident going to the end with him? Well, no, it was like a game within a game for me where I was like, oh, let's see how this fun game plays out. See if we can get him to do it. it. Yeah, Yeah. for me, it was fun. For Eric, obviously not. And what I know now, what I understand now is guilt and shame are very powerful levers of control. So if you can- A lot of churches use those. Yes. And this is something, I think it's really important that people know this because if you are someone who is holding guilt or shame, like for me, I have like mom guilt and I know I can be controlled by my mom guilt. So I have to be super aware of that. Eric had so much guilt because, and we were like playing into it, like really blowing it up. Like you should feel guilty about these things that you did. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're a horrible person for doing these things. Like if you, if somebody triggers your guilt and shame, then you're as a human response, you're going to want to do something to make it better. You're going to want to like take an action to, absolve yourself of this guilt. So Eric's action was, okay, once I give this necklace over, I'm going to feel relief because then I'm going to feel like I'm a good person. I did the right thing. I righted my wrongs. Yeah. And I righted my wrongs and I like confessed my sins and here I am. So, oh my gosh, like knowing that now I'm like, well, he had no chance. 
There's no chance if he wasn't aware of his guilt and shame that he could have said no and kept the necklace. He would have felt like a miserable wretch the whole rest of the game. So I see that now because I've learned that. But at the time I was just like, oh my gosh, is this really going to happen? Is he really going to give his necklace? That's insane. Like I thought, I was like, that is crazy, complete insanity. Because looking at it from my point of view, Eric has the best shot at winning every single immunity and screwing up my whole plan of having all women at the end. So I wanted, I really wanted him to give up the necklace, but I wasn't super attached because I knew I wasn't going home that night. I knew I could navigate my way through to the end. And if I had to sit next to Eric at the end, I knew I could be okay. Yeah. But I was so like, when he was handing the necklace over, even talking about it now, I still get chills because I'm yeah. like, oh. It's happening. Yeah. And now we talked to Natalie best. yesterday. Yeah. And she was oh, like, Oh, you did? Yeah. And she said, was talking about poker face too. She's like, At that moment, I just had to play like, Oh, you're giving me the necklace? Cool. No big deal. It doesn't matter. We're yeah. both fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I was just like, My mouth dropped open. We all, Serena and I, we all turned to the jury and we're like, did that really just happen? And the jury's, Eliza's mouth is hanging open. It's like so wide, it's touching the floor. James is like, oh, dumb move, man. Like you got played by those girls. Mm -hmm." I went over that with Eric or Natalie too. And I was like, even though the jury, because I've been in moments where the jury is like, What's going on? They don't know. They don't know what the game is going. And so even if Eric's seeing the jury react, there's probably part of him that's just like, they don't know the conversations I've had and what is actually going on here. All they're seeing is this. And so, because I was watching the jury react, I was like, would that turn him off? But then I was like, no, he's probably thinking like, maybe he's got got tunnel vision at that point because everything is just a swirling mess. But maybe also he's just like, uh, kind of like talking himself into it by saying that the jury... Yeah. Can't possibly know. Yeah. And you know how it is when you're in the moment in tribal council, there's so many things that are going on in your mind and from the conversations on the beach and you might be replaying one word or someone's face moves and you're like, it's, I don't know how much the jury, it's like, feels like there's a wall between the jury and you as a player Yeah, where it's like, yeah, they don't know all the in and ins and outs. Correct. And so I'm sitting here and what I'm trying to do is read the people that are sitting next to me because also taking in the facial reactions from the jury, I think it would just be overwhelming and there's no way you could actually make sense of that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And the jury is half the time or more so they're just trying to create confusion amongst the players with their reactions. like Or get even, more screen time. Yeah, or get more screen time. Oh, like <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I always <laughs> pretend like I do not care at all because partly I do not care at all. At Most, that point, you've, you're already on like some other reality show by the time yeah. you're sitting on the jury. I'm just like staring up at the sky, <laughs> wishing I was home and like how I can ruin the people's days that are still in the game. Is there, if there's a way for me to do that, I will do that. Uh, and then I also have always been of the opinion, like, it's not me getting the million, so what do I care? So, yeah, so the jury reacts, and then Eric's gone. A crazy moment, uh, historic, one that he gets to live forever and ever and relive as new streaming services come out and put Micronesia on them for Plus the- his 
little sweet little heart. Little sweet little heart. And I still maintain maybe the best hair in Survivor history that season with Eric. It's quite a mop. It's like it very crazy thick. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy thick. So uh so he's got that going for him. Um <laughs> so we come back, it's you four. Natalie told us that at that point she was just content to be fourth. Mm -hmm. She had envisioned fourth place when she went out. Final four was, I think, on her vision board. And she had done it. So she was like, okay, that's that's good. And yeah. she pretty much just kind of laid down and was like, farewell to ye three. Yeah. That's old English, probably. Yeah. Farewell. Adieu. I bid you adieu. Adieu, adieu ye three. Lady. <laughs> yeah, so. that's why. And I knew that. And I really knew that. And I felt that from her and Alexis both. Yeah. That I was like, I can vote these women out and I can keep their vote. Yes. And then... We go to, it's you three. You three from the beginning. You did it. Final three. Wrong. Yeah. Final two. Like you, there was a little bit of suspicion there amongst you three. Uh, do you think that was always the plan? Or do you think that they were like, ah, let's, these three tight women from the very beginning who have like stuck with each other through thick and thin and always had each other's backs. Let's make them have to turn on one of them. I think so. Yeah. And I think also because there were a bunch of medical evacuations that season. Yeah, so they had to reshift. They had to like kind of reset because I think it was originally going to be a final three. Yeah. And we were like pumped about that. And then we didn't get the breakfast and we're like, huh? <laughs> yeah. But the breakfast doesn't come till like two in the afternoon anyways. So you're like, <laughs> we're like you're checking well, on the breakfast. Checking, yeah. still checking. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, like the shipping, whatever. Like, what are they, what is that? Yeah, the, the logistic. Yeah. The, yeah, the, 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 the shipping. What is going on right now? I don't chain? know why, why supply no one can get chain, the furniture yeah. these days. Yeah. Like, the supply you know, chain. It's yeah, all boggled up. Yep. Supply chain problems. So, okay. So, yeah. The second when I was watching that, the second that you all three turned and were like, I hope it's not a final two. Could it be? No, I don't know. I was like, oh, they're making it a final two. There's no way after you've had this conversation, this heart to heart with all three of you, there's no way they're not like forcing it into a final two somehow. Mm -hmm. You should have gone under the canopy and had that conversation. And I knew that I did not want to win that challenge. The end challenge? Because no. you didn't want to make the choice. Mm -mm. Do you think that hurt Amanda to win that? Yeah. Okay. Because then Amanda had to choose me and Suri was pissed because remember, I had been separated from Amanda and Suri. They had yeah. been together the entire time. But were you nervous that, was there any part of you that was nervous that like, did Suri say she was going to choose you if she won no matter what? And also Amanda was going to? The reason I was not nervous was because I had taken on the mantle of bad cop. Okay. So I knew, like, they knew that I'd yeah. piss people off. Like, yeah. I was a polarizing character. Amanda was not. She played, like, super gentle yeah. and kind and loved Joey everyone. Eyed. Are you selling this to them in these moments? Like, hey, I did a lot of bad things. I think the jury's not going to be happy with me. The or girls, they just they're knew. so, no, I didn't have to. They, yeah. like, we knew each other through and through. So they were able to make up their own minds. I just knew I was sitting in a good spot where I was like, they're going to pick me either way because they both have the best shot against me. Okay. Okay, good. That is a great spot to be in. I would be too nervous. I would be like, I just got to win it. And then like, 
maybe there's a way I can like have them do rock, paper, scissors like, or something. You know, no, like- it was like, uh-uh. I couldn't like, cause there are some times where I think in team, when you're in the teams, like you got to always win. Cause you just don't want to go to tribal council. But at the end, the strategy shifts for me anyways, it shifts a little bit where it's like, okay, now I'm thinking I'm already sitting in tribal council. Who do I want on the jury? Because I want their vote. So yeah. And like, who do I not want to piss off like the day before they vote? And Sari, she had a family. She really wanted to win. Amanda didn't. She was like, she wanted to win for her pride. Right. But I knew like Sari would be really hurt if she was voted out and wasn't able to sit at the end, especially after we had gone through everything we'd gone through and she played a really good game. Yeah. So I was like, I can't be the one to vote out Sari. And I knew that I would vote her out if I would have won. Yeah. And her exit, uh, her exit words were pretty much that she was like apologizing to her family for not bringing it home. Yeah. Crying. Um, yeah. Along those lines, I, I, yeah, you win for your tribe early on everything you can, you win a reward, you win all of that stuff. But as you get to the merge, like for me, like my standpoint is people view me as a challenge threat. So the best thing I can do is lose challenges early on, lose everything I can. If I feel comfortable, until the point where I do not feel comfortable and then try to win challenges at that point. Uh, I don't think I'm older now. I don't think that is as accurate, but on my winning season, that was definitely the strategy I took. And I purposely would not win any rewards because I never wanted to make a decision on who to bring to the reward with me. Yeah, I think that's really smart. You can't because that's the game is forcing you to draw a line somewhere when they do the reward thing. And people get so mad. And we even oh, saw so Xander, mad. like Xander give up his reward and got him zero street cred. Yeah. No, you can't Nobody do cared. that because everybody just thinks that that's exactly the reason you do it is for street cred. And they're like, we're not going to give him that, that easy. Right. Uh, exactly. Okay. So final two, you go into tribal council, the final tribal council. And there's a few things that stand out to me here. Uh, we have Natalie's question to you. Okay. Were you like taken aback by that or do you remember that question or were you just kind of like, I don't even know what you're talking about next? <laughs> it was the weirdest question. I was yeah. like, I, I know you saw my face where I was like so confused. Yeah. You were like trying to figure out how to answer it, but it wasn't like a thing you could fully understand. Right. And I was also like, what are you asking me? Yeah. Like, do you want to know if I would sleep with you after the game's over? Yeah, I didn't. That's part of me was like, does Natalie want to date Parv? I don't know what the question <laughs> is, but you're just like, yeah, and she was like happy with it. She's like, cool. And then Ozzy, furious with you. Yeah. Said some very mean things. And then uh, I'm at the reunion, he apologizes for all of that. Was that water under the bridge for you? Or would, like for me, if somebody had said those things to me, even in the heat of the moment, it would take a lot more than like an apology to heal that relationship. No, Ozzy and I did not speak for a really long time. Like, you know, it was just like done. You know what he asked me that didn't make the show? He asked me, first of all, to do an interpretive dance to demonstrate what it felt like to betray a friendship and to choose greed over friendship, to choose wow. money over friendship. Yeah, but he would have chosen money over friendship, right? Of course. It was so <laughs> ridiculous. And I was just like- Did you do a dance? 
no, I didn't know what to do. So I was just sat there scratching my head and staring at the fire. Like he's trying to humiliate me. Yeah. And then I just, I, what I did was I walked over to him and like, basically in a gesture of humbling myself to this big man, cause his ego is like, that's, that's, is his most important thing. So I got down, I sat down either next to him or in front of him. And I looked up at him and I was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. So it was just like this, it was humiliating and degrading. And also I was like, I have to do something. Everyone on the jury was looking at me like, do something. Yeah. The, in those moments where you are vying for the million dollars at final tribal council is the most humble you have to be in your entire life. You have to bend to every whim of that jury, even though they're a bunch of idiots, you just voted out and there's, and you just have to take all of it. And it's really a disgusting feeling, honestly. It's disgusting. It feels like a prostitution. Yeah. Like I remember when Vetus got up and was like, Tyson, I said I wouldn't vote for you. I'm not going to. You played a decent game, but you're not getting my vote. And it's because you would not do the one thing I asked. And I was like, can I interject? He's like, no, you may not. Do not speak to me. Yeah. And the regular me would be like, oh, don't speak to you. Okay, here I come, bro. But me, I was like, okay. And that was it, you know? And you just yeah. have to. And it's like, takes everything you've got. Everything. So then I, I had to do that again in Heroes Villains because at the end of Heroes Villains, no, Amanda got up, did the same thing that Vetus did to you and was like, don't talk. Yeah. Just got up and told me I was a battered wife and had acted like an abuse victim the entire game. And then like people wouldn't let me speak. Yeah. And I was just like, what do I do? I think now looking back, I would have just stood up and defended myself. But at that point, I had the mentality of like, be humble, like, Take it all, like take all the abuse from everyone. Let everybody feel like they're the winner in this moment. Yeah, Yeah. it's so gross. It's so gross. It really is. Do you guys like the new jury format then? Because it feels like it's less confrontational when they're more like, oh, it's just a big group conversation. No, no, I like the old one better because it's like more straightforward and you know, like, you know, it's going to be done after everybody gets their thing that they say rather than well, like and the thing that I like the better hug now, jumping in a bunch of times. Yeah. But the thing I like better now is that people are less personal. They take things less personally and they're more, they're casting fans of the game. Yeah. So people are like able, they don't do like personal character attacks most of the time. Right. I know you have to run Parv. Did you right after the end of tribal council, did you know you were winning? How did you feel? Like I've got this in the bag, pretty good shot. I don't know, like what, like those six months or whatever leading up to the announcement, did people reach over and tell you, reach out and tell you you had won? What was it? I felt after that tribal council, I felt that I had won because I knew I outperformed Amanda in the tribal council. Um, But afterwards, like I had the sense that I won, but afterwards everyone was trying to mess with me and like, Eliza and people were like, Oh no, sorry. Like these people voted for whoever. And then I just didn't talk to anyone really. And Amanda thought she had won. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is going to be weird when I win. And Amanda thinks she won. That's what I thought. Yeah. But she'd already, (laughs) she'd already dealt with the disappointment, not but six months earlier by losing China. So she was probably. And you know, what's so funny. Yeah. It's like, I went to the end with Amanda and she lost back to back. And then I went to the end with Russell and he lost back to back. Yeah, man. So if you, 
Yeah. So if you ever find yourself in a final tribal council with Parv, and it's your second time in a row playing the game and making it to the finals, you have a good shot at not winning. You're going to lose. You're definitely going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean Parv's winning, right. but you're also not winning. Right. So, okay, Parv, thank you so much for your time. I know you have to run. Uh, any last things we missed that you'd really like to you, say? Uh, drive us to your website, whatever you got going on, anything. Yeah, I have a very, it's been hanging in the back of my mind for years and years, Tyson, is it if you were on the jury uh-huh. for heroes versus villains, who would you have voted for? See, I didn't watch the rest of the season and I also didn't get to see the season play out in real time. So I don't really have a full educated like answer snap- for that. Snapshot. Sandra was in my original alliance and she did not betray me. So I probably would have voted Sandra. Boo. I don't think we can be friends anymore. But now, if you were to give me a time machine now, I would go back and vote you. Okay. Well, you can do a rewatch of Heroes Villains. We can talk again. Do I want to do that? <laughs> be painful for me. Beyond the point where you get voted out. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh, I have to go. I have a coaching group to lead. But okay. if people want to find me, they can go to Instagram, P Shallow. I post a lot of things there. And if they want to work with me, I do one-on-one coaching and I do um, small group coaching where I change everyone's lives. And it's really yes. fun. I've been a part of some of those and they are fantastic and amazing and uh, uh, fun to be a part of as well. Uh, Parv, you should have won Heroes versus Villains as well. Thank you again for your time, and we'll talk soon. <laughs> Thanks, Tyson. Rawr. Yep. Rawr. <laughs> Bye. That's it from Parv, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will be in your eardrums later. See ya. See ya.